0: My soul cries out, hallelujah. You know what that word is? It's two words. It's a distinctively Christian word. It's our word. Nobody else gets to use that word but followers of Jesus. Hallelujah is two words. Hallel, which means to praise or to boast in, and Yah, which is short for Yahweh. So hallelujah is to praise or to boast in Yahweh. He is Jesus himself. Listen, if you like a good story like I do, then I think you're gonna enjoy this next parable of Jesus today in Matthew chapter 13. So if you have a Bible, let's go ahead and go there. Matthew chapter 13 is where we are, picking up where we left off last week. And I think this parable of Jesus kind of has all the elements of a blockbuster movie. Our story begins this beautiful, peaceful, tranquil Setting where this old farmer is walking through his freshly plowed and freshly planted field. And all you see of him is just his silhouette with the sun setting down behind him. And then the camera moves in a little bit closer to where you can see the face of this farmer, and he has lines on his face from laughing, years of laughing. And years of smiling. And years of being in the sun. And you can tell unmistakably that he loves what he's doing. He loves to be in this field. And he loves to be planting these seeds. He's humming a happy tune as he's going about his work. He's smiling. He's enjoying the day. And looking back across the day knowing now that his field is planted. The seeds are covered. He finds a shade tree and he sits down and pours himself an ice cold glass of lemonade and he begins to dream about what that field's gonna look like in the weeks and the months to come as he waits for life to spring out of that. He waits day after day, waiting for signs of life, waiting to see green shoots coming up out of that soil. And then there's this one morning that the the score the music of our story changes this morning seems eerily quiet and still and it becomes quite obvious and apparent that something deeply sinister deeply nefarious has taken place in regards to this farmer into his field to look at this farmer you would not think that he had any enemies but clearly only an enemy of the worst kind would do to this man and to his field what has been done the music is dramatic this foreboding sense really overtakes the mood and there's doubt now as to how this story is going to end Is it going to end happily ever after? Or will it end in darkness and in tragedy? Questions get asked. Some questions are answered. And it all ends, well, I'm not going to tell you yet how it ends. It's Jesus' story. So we're going to let Jesus tell the story. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to, now don't forget that. The whole point of these parables that Jesus is giving is to tell us this is what my kingdom is like. I want you to understand this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So he says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat Went away. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking weeds? Like, I thought this was a dramatic story, and somebody just threw some weeds in the man's garden. That's really not that big a deal. It's a huge deal. So, you would have known that had you been a listener 2,000 years ago. This was no ordinary weed. This weed is thought to be a weed that's called Darnell. It's sometimes referred to as wheat's evil twin. They look Very similar, you can't even really tell them apart for most of the growth process. Don't think of these weeds that have been planted in this man's field as like the weeds in your flower bed at home, it's not like that. This act of planting this weed in this man's field is more than an aggravation. It's potentially a lethal act because this particular weed is poisonous It can be lethal to animals. It can be lethal even to people. As I was kind of studying about this weed, I came across an article in a magazine that probably you all subscribe to called Ethnobiology. (laughs) I'm not even quite sure what that means. But you can look this up. Howard Thomas, professor of biology, is quoted in the Journal of Ethnobiology as saying, quote, Darnell shows up, time and time again, in key literary text as a symbol of subversion. He said, where there is Darnell, there is treachery and toxicity. In fact, the you lovers of Shakespeare may have heard of Darnell because this poisonous plant appears in multiple works of Shakespeare. There's actually historic accounts of enemies planting this in people's fields as an act of war. Rome had laws on the books that would forbid people from planting this in the fields of other people. Planting this in anybody's field would have been considered an ancient form of bioterrorism. This this was just one of the worst things that you could have done to somebody and to their family and to their livelihood. What Jesus is describing in this parable is an act of pure evil, The person who would do this has nothing to gain from this whatsoever except the sadistic pleasure of ruining somebody else's life, of bringing an end to their hard work and their labor. It's something that had you been sitting there 2,000 years ago, you would have related to. You would have understood just how horrific anything like this would have been. Jesus goes on telling the story in verse 26. He says, so when the plants came up, And bore grain. Because you don't really know what's wheat and what's wheat's evil twin until they've reached maturity. So when they came up and they bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now this is a parable, right? It's got two parts to it. It's an earthly story. With a heavenly meaning. Jesus just told the earthly story, and now he's gonna lay down what the heavenly meaning is of this. And I don't have to work real hard today, thank the Lord, to try to explain this to you, because Jesus explains it explicitly. Verse 36, skip down to there. Then he left the crowds, he went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parables of the weed of the field. What does this have to do with your kingdom? What does this have to do with the kingdom of heaven in our world? And he answered in verse 37, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Could not be more clear what Jesus has to say here. Verse 40, he says, Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus clearly tells us here what everything in this parable represents. If you got a pen, a piece of paper, or on your phone, let's make a list. Number one, there's the farmer. That's Jesus. He said, That's him. He referred to himself as the Son of Man. That's his favorite way, by the way, of referring to himself with that name, with that title, Son of Man. It's an Old Testament phrase out of the book of Daniel. In fact, I'll show you. Daniel chapter seven, Daniel says in verse 13 of Daniel seven, I saw the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days. That's God the father and and the son of man is Jesus. He comes to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him, to the son of man was given dominion and glory and a Kingdom, right? That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And Jesus loves to take that passage with Son of Man and Kingdom and bring it into the Gospels where he's talking about the kingdom and referring to himself as the Son of Man. So the field belongs to Jesus. He's the Son of Man. What is the field? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 38 that the field is the world. Some people have tried to make this a a parable about the church, but it's bigger than that. It's a parable about the whole world, the world that God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, Jesus' blood was shed on the cross of Calvary for the seed that he's planting in the world. This is no cheap seed. It comes at the cost of the life of Christ himself. Third is the good seed. Jesus tells us in verse 38, that's sons of the kingdom. Who is that? That's you. If you've put your faith in Jesus as your savior and your Lord, you are who he has in mind in this story. You are the good seed that he has put into this Ground, in the field, in this world. Jesus has reconciled us to his Father by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The good seed are the people who are saved. We're not good. Before we're saved, we're good because Jesus has saved us. He has applied the righteousness of Jesus to us. Our sin has been removed and God has declared us righteous in his sight. We're not good because of what we've done. We're good seed because of what Jesus has done for us. Number four, we have the weeds. What is that? Jesus says the weeds are the sons of the evil one. So here's what we know. The wheat and the weeds are people. The wheat and the weeds in Jesus' story here are people. Who are they? They're the saved and the unsaved. They're those that belong to the kingdom of heaven and those that belong to the kingdom of darkness. And like wheat and darnell weeds, the saved and the unsaved look an awful lot alike. But they could not be more different. The wheat carries the power of life in them. The weeds carry the power of death in them. Number five, the enemy who sowed the weeds, who is that? Jesus clearly said this is none other than Satan himself. He says that in verse 39. This is not up for speculation or debate or argument. Jesus says the person who plants these in the world is the devil. And then he says, the harvest. What is the harvest? It's what Jesus calls the end of the age. What does Jesus mean by the end of the age? Well, right now, you and I are in an age that we call the age of grace. This is what some people call the church age. This started in the Bible in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came down, began to indwell the hearts of the followers of Christ. That began the church age. We've been in a 2,000 year period of history where the good news of the gospel, salvation, forgiveness, life in Jesus has been made available across these 2,000 years to every tongue and tribe and nation. But that time, that age is quickly coming to an end. In fact, it may begin to come to an abrupt end even today. There's gonna be a sequence of events Events that are gonna take place according to the Bible that bring this age to an end. And it's gonna culminate in a time of judgment. When that time of judgment comes, it's gonna be too late. If you don't bow your knee and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord during this age of grace, it's gonna be too late then when you stand before God in judgment. And then the harvesters. Who are the harvesters? Jesus says these are his angels that are involved At the end of the age. Okay, so let's read the parable again and let's plug in the right pieces at the right place and let's kind of talk our way through it now. Verse 24, he put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man. He wants us to know what his kingdom is like in our world right now. He said, It may be compared to a man, that's Jesus, who sowed good seed, that's his people in his field, that's the world that we're in. When, when Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago, he began to plant seed in this world, kingdom people in his kingdom. And over the course of the last 2,000 years, that's what Jesus the farmer has been doing, walking through this world, planting his people all over the world. It started in Jerusalem, it spread to Judea, to Samaria, it went to Africa, went to Europe, went to Asia and on and on all over the world. And the Bible says one day there's going to be this great harvest of souls. They're going to be standing before the throne of God. Men and women from every tongue and every tribe and every nation. Jesus is planting his church all over the world. He's the farmer walking through this world today. Smiling. Smiling. Giving life, laughing, rejoicing over his people, over the work that his son has accomplished, humming a happy tune. In fact, the Old Testament says he is singing over his people, singing over his people with love. Here we are in his field and he is singing over his people with love. Verse 25 says, but while his men were sleeping. And that's not an indictment against his men. That's not an indictment against the servants of Jesus. They've done the work. They're supposed to sleep. Sleeping is normal. It's natural. But notice it says the men slept. It didn't say that the master slept. It doesn't say that Jesus is sleeping. It doesn't say that God is sleeping because he doesn't sleep. The Bible says he does not sleep, nor does he slumber. He does not get tired, he does not get weary. For 2,000 years, Jesus has been walking through the field of his world, planting seed, growing and harvest, redeeming people for his kingdom from all the corners of the world. He does not grow tired. The attack of the enemy might have surprised his workers, but it did not surprise him. Look at The rest of verse 25. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy, who was that? Satan. He came and he sowed, and now you know we might even say poisonous weeds among the wheat, and then went away. Satan crept into the field, did what he does, and then crept right back out of the field. This shows you just how Evil, he is in this. He has nothing to gain from this except to steal and to kill and destroy from others. And so, among all of what Jesus has planted, what Satan has done is he's planted and he's still planting deadly counterfeits in our world. Those who will look like their followers of Jesus, they'll look like the saved, they'll look like their kingdom of light, kingdom of heaven. But they're not. They're toxic, poisonous counterfeits. Verse 26, Jesus goes on. He says, So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? Isn't this what we know to be true? When evil raises its head in our world... One of the things that we often do is to question God, to question the master. That's what they're doing here. They're questioning his oversight. Didn't you give us good seed to plant? They may even be questioning his character. Why has this happened? You've never done this before. This has never happened Here before This has never happened in our lives. This has never happened to my family before. And we begin to ask God questions. God, do you know what's going on? God, are you not paying attention? God, are you not as good and as kind and as caring as I thought that you were? We don't understand why such an evil would be found in our lives like this. And the servants have doubts now. Maybe you're at a place this morning because the circumstances in your life, circumstances in your world, maybe you have some doubts this morning about the goodness of God. Maybe you have some doubts this morning about the power of God, the control of God, the sovereignty of God. Who among us hasn't had some questions for God somewhere along the way? Those difficult, hard questions, wondering, did God get it wrong? When all this evil and destruction seems to intertwine its roots with us. And with our lives where is God in that God are you not paying attention God are you really not that loving are you really not that powerful if you are then why are these things happening in my life And he answers that question in verse 28 He said to them an enemy has done this 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 is from an enemy Listen, I want to remind you this morning that not one act of evil, not one act of evil that has ever happened in our world has the fingerprints of our God on it. Not one. But every act of evil can be traced back to this enemy. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? We'll fix this. We'll bring this to an end. And what we want to happen next is for the master to say to his servants, yes, rip up every last weed that you can find. Get every vestige of every root pulled up out of my field and I want you to return my field to the way that I intended it to be. That's what we want him to say because we want destruction and we want death and we want sickness and we want evil and we want pain. We want all that to be banished yesterday, don't we? But that's not what the master's gonna do. In fact, he's gonna tell them this. Don't touch those weeds. Just let them stay. And let them keep growing. This will not be easy. But this is what's best. Let them stay. Let them keep growing. And let them keep growing right alongside and even entangled with and among my people. Now I want to pause right there and I want to talk about what's known as the problem of evil. Evil is not random. It is the intentional work of an enemy of God. It is the intentional work of Satan. Just as Jesus is working in this world to plant a harvest of righteousness, Satan is always trying to have The mirror image of Jesus and his work. And he's planting a harvest of unrighteousness, a harvest of evil. And he is busy this morning sowing his poisonous seed into hearts and into families and into schools and into neighborhoods and into workplaces and into governments all around the world. The world That is our Father's world, the world that he gave to the Son of Man, the world that Jesus died for to rescue and to save. Satan is bent, bound, and determined to poison every square acre of this world. These evil thorns and thistles are a fact of life for us in this post-Eden world that you and I live in of this you can be sure wherever God is working Satan's working too that ought to be a word of encouragement for some of you who feel like Satan's doing overtime on you right now he's working where God's working and if God's working hard and fast in your life I bet you Satan's working hard and fast in your life too Jesus is describing the work of Satan in this parable. Satan's aim is to cause catastrophic effects on the seeds of God, on the people of God, on the kingdom of God, and the harvest that Jesus died to one day bring into his kingdom. The devil is always planting seeds right alongside where Jesus is planting his seed. Jesus plants sons and daughters in his kingdom and Satan comes along and plants sons and daughters of his kingdom right alongside. And this gets ugly. It gets ugly really fast. This evil grows up into all kinds of hellish things like envy, like hate, like bitterness, like murder, like rape, like bigotry like immorality of all kinds, like child abuse, like sex trafficking, human trafficking, like genocide, and on and on. And this is where our questions come in. If God is real and Jesus has come and his kingdom is here, then why is all this stuff happening in our world? Why is life like it is why is God allowing all of this evil to exist here in this place and this is famously called the problem of evil and it goes like this if God is really loving and if God is really good he would want to bring this evil to an end and if God is all-powerful he could bring this evil to an end But this evil hasn't ended. So, therefore, either God isn't good, isn't loving, or isn't all powerful. Or, and this is the conclusion that many have made in our world, or there is no God. There just is no God. And to that, I would say this God is loving and God is good and he does want to bring this evil to an end. And to that I would say, God is all-powerful, and he can bring this evil to an end. And you're right. This evil has not been brought to an end. It has not been stopped. But you forgot one word. Yet. He just hasn't brought it to an end Yet, but he will. And he will because he is good and he is loving. And he will because he is all powerful and he can and he will. Back to the story. The harvester said to the master, Do you want us to go out there and yank them all up and rid your world of them? In verse 29, he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them by now the roots are entangled together if you pull the weeds up you're going to disrupt the harvest you're going to bring the harvest to a premature end listen today if God removed all the evil from our world today if God removed all the potential of evil from our world that would mean that he would also be uprooting free will from our world There's no more potential of evil. There's no more free will. Without free will, we're only robots. Without free will, there's no love. We don't have the capacity to love others or to be loved by others. And furthermore, if God uprooted the potential for all evil, he's going to uproot me and you because in this broken, fallen world, even though we're redeemed, there's still an old nature in us that is very capable of doing evil, right, So God would have to pull us out of this place as well. It is the grace of God that is letting the wheat and the weeds live together in this world right now. And rather than removing me and you from it, he is redeeming us in it and changing us in it. So will God ever deal with this evil? Yes, Look at what Jesus says, verse 30. Let both grow together until. I don't know about y'all, but every time Jesus says until, I get a good feeling deep down in my heart. Like his toes just tapping, he's like until. He says, let both grow together until the harvest. What did he tell us the harvest is? It's the end of the age, He says, until the harvest, and at harvest time, he says, I will tell the reapers, it's time, it's time. Gather the weeds, gather them first, and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. You see, one day, not too far from now, Jesus is gonna separate the wheat from the weeds. Not too long from now, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Not too far from now, he's going to separate the saved from the unsaved. And the Bible is clear. The saved will go on with the Lord to eternal life. The unsaved will depart from the Lord into eternal punishment. Jesus is telling this story to help me and you understand what his kingdom is like. What is it about? The kingdom of heaven is most definitely right here today. But also not yet. And that doesn't make a lot of sense. But I think back on some history. World War II, D-Day. American forces land on the beaches of Normandy. Normandy. They're going to sweep across Europe to hopefully bring an end to Hitler's evil. On the day that our men landed on that beach, the Europeans could say, the Americans are here, and they would be right, that's true, but they weren't there fully yet, In the days and weeks and months to come, they would arrive progressively more and more. And that's the time that you and I are in right now in the kingdom of heaven. His kingdom is here with us, but not yet in full. King Jesus is still taking ground day by day, person by person, Last week, 13 people followed Jesus in baptism. Last Sunday, another followed Jesus in baptism. This Sunday, after the second hour, another will follow Jesus in baptism. Why? Because King Jesus is still, he's still planting seeds in this world. He's still redeeming. He's still changing lives, reaching people for his kingdom. His kingdom is here, but evil's here too. It's still all around us, and it's easy, at times, to get discouraged, disheartened, disillusioned, when there's so many bad things happening around us. But Miss Shirley, I think Jesus told us this story today to encourage us, to give us some heavenly perspective in the midst of our earthly troubles and trials and sorrows, to help us understand this is what life in his kingdom is like right now. God has not been caught off guard. He will not be caught off guard by any satanic attacks. All of this evil has an expiration date on it. It's all merely temporary. Here's the good news. Creation will not be broken much longer. Satan's time is quickly coming to an end, which probably explains why he is so busy, because he has a sense of urgency that we would be wise to think about as well for our own lives and for the purposes of God. Soon, Jesus is going to make all things new, and that laundry list of evils that I gave you a few moments ago will all be gone and forgotten. The workers wanted to deal with the weeds right then in their own way, but God had a better plan. He's got a better plan than you have, by the way. Let me remind you of that today. As servants, we we like to make suggestions to him often. How about we do it this way? How about we do that? How about we do this? But I want to remind you today Jesus has a far better plan than any of us have. And he's operating off a different timetable than you and I are operating off of. Jesus said, just wait. Something we don't like to do, but he says, just wait. My way's better, but you're gonna have to wait. And just wait till harvest time. So what do we do in the meantime? What do we do in the waiting? We gotta trust God and trust that God knows what he's doing. Look at verse 40. Verse 40. Jesus goes on to say, Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous, the sons and the daughters of God, who I remind you are only righteous because by grace God has given them the righteousness of Jesus as their own. Their righteousness will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. And I hope you're hearing this today. Because if you're hearing this today, that means by God's grace you have spiritual ears to hear this with today. God's still talking to you. You're still hearing, you're still listening. You might say, okay, pastor, I get it. Here's what I don't get. What's he waiting on? Here's what he's waiting on. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. And you're going, yeah, he is. That's why Peter goes, like you count slowness. He's on a different timetable than you are. He's got a different perspective than you have. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This is why God is waiting. Because the heart of our God, Justin, is so good. He wants to see weeds become wheat. And this is one more thing that God can do that Satan cannot do. God can transform weeds to wheat, but Satan cannot transform wheat to weeds. If you're wheat, praise God, you're going to be wheat forever. But if you're here today and you're a weed, here's good news. You don't have to be a poisonous, toxic son or daughter of the devil for another day. Jesus and Jesus alone has the love and has the power to transform you into his kingdom, into the kingdom of his light, into a relationship with himself. Today could be your day of transformation, of salvation. And listen, when you're tempted, church folks, believers, to only see the weeds, and I I know that's tempting for us, It's so easy for us to take a despairing perspective of our world and for us just to get down in the mouth about everything and everybody. Woe is us. The weeds are taking over. This is the end of it. Oh, my goodness. They're winning. They're winning. Uh, Listen, if that's where you are today, can I just encourage you? Let's lift our eyes and let's look further out past the field. Jade, let's just keep looking way out past this field and you'll see a hill and you'll see at the top of that hill there's an old rugged cross where Jesus died to save, where Jesus died to make all things new. Let's look beyond everything that we're surrounded with today and let's lift our eyes to the one who loves us and who gave himself for us. That's where the master of this field himself died. It looked like Satan had won. But 3 days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And you may be sitting here today feeling like Satan is winning in something in my life, some area of my life, somebody's life that, that I love that I care about, but I'm telling you just when it's the darkest is when God does his best work. And Jesus rose up out of that dead, and because he did one day, everything that's broken will be unbroken. Everything will be made new and evil will be taken care of and thrown into the lake of fire and Jesus is gonna reign forever over a new heaven and a new earth and those of us who know him as Savior and Lord, the Bible says we're gonna reign with him. Be encouraged today. Our story according to Jesus ends in happily ever after. John writes these words in Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, look, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. God, would you encourage today your people who may be this morning, they're discouraged, they're despairing under the the darkness that seems to overtake us, God. But it's not true. We will not be overtaken. We will not be uprooted. We will certainly not be changed from wheat to weeds. Your word is clear that there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, I know there's some here today that the darkness is very real and very heavy and very thick, but God, would you help us today to lift our eyes to see beyond the weed and the weeds and to see our master no longer on a cross, but risen and ruling and reigning and calling the right shots over his field at all times. It doesn't always make sense to us. And we find ourselves questioning, isn't there a better way? But God, this morning, give us confidence to believe that you're calling the right shots. You're making the right decisions. And God, help us to keep our eyes on you today and to trust you as we walk through the darkness of this world, through the darkness of this life. You are good. And you want to bring this madness to an end. And you are powerful. And you can bring this madness to an end. And you will. You will. And I believe that with all my heart. Would you help my brothers and sisters to believe it too? And God, for any that's here today that don't know you, God, I pray that today they would trust you, that you can change their life can take out the darkness and the sin and the poison. You can change and give new life if they would only believe and trust Jesus to be Savior and Lord. You've done it for me. I was a weed that by sheer grace you've made wheat. Would you do it for somebody else now? We ask all of this in the name of the Son of Man our good farmer, the sower of this field, the one who died and gave himself for us, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to worship God together. Listen, if you need to come and pray today, come and pray. And Hey, if a man comes to pray, gentlemen, don't let that man be there by himself. Ladies, a lady comes to pray, don't let that lady be there by herself. There's some people this morning where the darkness is really heavy today and they walked in this room today fighting a battle, fighting to believe, fighting for some truth to hold on to for another moment, another day. So let's hold each other up. Let's bear one another's burdens. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, just grab somebody. Come down here and tell me, Pastor, I need you to pray with me. I need to know Jesus today as Savior and Lord. Let's worship the Lord and let's be obedient to what God's putting on our hearts today. Amen.